When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. To College Football Live, presented by Zillow. From Knoxville, the Tide taking on the Volunteers. Pass, touchdown, Tennessee, Alabama, answers. If you're not entertained, you're not a football fan. Ball's out, picked up, touchdown, Alabama, and regains the lead. Jalen Hyatt, five of them. And now we're tied at 49 off. This for the lead from 50. And the kick's going to be way off to the right. No good. So Tennessee with 15 seconds to go. 40-yard attempt. This for the win against Alabama. It's good. Chase McGrath wins the game for Tennessee. A night to remember. What a weekend. What a season. Happy to have you with us in College Football Live. I'm Wendy Nix, and here with us, the man of the hour, certainly the man of the hour in Knoxville, Tennessee kicker Chase McGrath, who, if you missed it and you didn't just see it, had a pretty good weekend. Uh, Chase, first of all, I, I think my only question to start is, what has the last 48 hours been like? Oh, it's been surreal, honestly. Uh, the fan base here we have at Tennessee is second to none. The support they've shown is Honestly, some of the best I've ever seen. I mean, you saw it at the game on Saturday night, them rushing the field. And, you know, it was just really an amazing experience getting to share that with my teammates and the fan base. It was a great night. Uh, Chase, did you, did you think it was going in when you kicked it? Yeah, I mean, after I hit it, I uh, thought it was going in. And uh, honestly, didn't know until Monday morning when we were watching film that 47 actually got his uh, finger on the ball. Uh, you could see the ref kind of behind me do the signal that it was kind of tipped. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was wild. Have you had any sleep yet? That's the real question. Yeah, I've been able to get some sleep. But, uh, yeah, it definitely was a wild night for sure. Uh, yes, I, I, I'm sure. I'm sure it was. Listen, you made a lot of people happy, a lot of Tennessee fans happy. One of them, one of our own ESPN's Ryan McGee, who was at the game, uh, he said he stayed impartial until the kick. What? What? Ryan was through the uprights. I, I, I don't know if I'm buying that, but anyway, he's got a few questions as well. All right, Chase. First of all, I just my wife and I want to thank you. Our marriage has been better since Saturday. <laughs> I feel like there's a lot of people probably that are Tennessee alums that feel that way. All right, so I smoked a cigar. Uh, just like everyone did after the game. I had not smoked one in 16 years. Your Instagram was full of you smoking a cigar. Did you have experience with that before? And how did Max and Frazier get those cigars into the locker room? <laughs> yeah, I, I've smoked a cigar before, but this one is uh, one I'd never forget. Honestly, um, you know, we got in the locker room and they had them all ready for us. And, you know, the whole team was lighting up. And it, it, it was really just an amazing, fun time. And, uh, and that'll never forget, honestly. All right, so where were you in that crowd? Because we all saw what happened. I was like, ain't no way I'm going down there. What was it like on that field, Shields Watkins Field, when everybody poured into that stadium? Yeah, um, honestly, um, once the ball went through, um, my whole team just swarmed me. I had nowhere to go. 
And then next thing you know, the whole stadium was just converging all in. And uh, yeah, it was crazy. And I just really tried to make sure to, to stay up and not get, you know, hit on the ground or get trampled, you know? <laughs> Chase, there's obviously the euphoria of the moment, right? And you realize what happened. You clearly know it's for the win. Uh, does it feel differently the day after? Does it, does it have time to sink in? Because obviously this is a storied rivalry, and your name now uh, will certainly be mentioned early and often when we talk about it. Yeah, honestly, in the moment, um, it doesn't really hit you what just happened because we're just doing what we're trying to do out there. My, you know, my snapper um, – my snapper, Maddie does an amazing job. My holder, Paxton, got the ball down. And, uh, you know, I had trust in them to do it. And we were just doing what we were trying to do, what we practiced this whole offseason for. So in that moment, you know, it didn't really hit until, you know, after the game. And, you know, we were celebrating with all the fans and the team and my teammates and everything. So, yeah, it was really awesome. All right. So I don't want to question the judgment of our people, Chase, but throwing <laughs> – the goalpost into the river did not feel like the best strategy. If you're, if you're looking for souvenir, are you going into the river to get a section of that upright for the house? No, I'm not going to be swimming in the river, but uh, I know some fans did for sure. I saw videos online of them like chopping up bits and parts of it and, you know, having some uh, keepsakes. Unbelievable. Chase, we, ha we have to let you go, but give or take, you can round up or down if you'd like. How many text messages did you have when you finally got to your phone after this game? Uh, I, I don't even know hundreds. Uh, I'm still getting through some of them. So all the support, <laughs> I really appreciate it. <laughs> I, I don't doubt that you are. Congratulations. I know there's a lot of Tennessee football left to be played, and we look forward to watching. We appreciate you being here. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. All right, Ryan, you said You're it so well Chase. because you talked about the goalpost. And, you know, no goalpost is safe, at least not in Knoxville. They take this thing through town down to the river, and now they got to raise money for a new one, but not to worry. Through a Vol Starter campaign, that's the university's fundraising device, uh, they have raised, give or take, $150,000 for new goalposts that has exceeded their goals. Good news. I can tell you right now, they gladly pay for another one to get a win like that. All right. Now, there was a different tone in Tuscaloosa, that's for sure. Up next, a top 25 reality check for the Tide and what Nick Saban is asking his team to do next. College Football Live is presented by Zillow. There's no place like Zillow. leaked tape that led to one of the biggest scandals in sports and changed the NBA forever. A podcast that unearthed it all. This is just like what 2014 was mm -hmm. like. Like, there's yeah. a lot of wild stuff happening. And now, a Hulu docudrama. TMZ was calling again and again and saying, we have a tape, do you want to comment? 30 for 30 Podcasts presents The Sterling Affairs. Let's talk clips. We reshot the scene and I could barely watch it because it was so uncomfortable. It was tough. A companion podcast to the FX drama in Inspired by the award-winning reporting of Ramona Shelburne, one of ESPN's top NBA reporters, an L.A. native and someone who has been following the story from the moment it broke. Join Ramona as she sits down with the cast and crew of the show in spoiler-filled conversations and behind-the-scenes reaction to each episode. Man, this is crazy, but these people live these lives every day. Donald Sterling, this was his lifestyle for a long time. Listen to The Sterling Affairs. Let's talk clipped wherever you get your podcasts. You're watching College Football Live, presented by Zillow. 
Saturday on ABC and the ESPN app, three of the best college games of the day, a battle of unbeatens in the ACC. 14 Syracuse and number five Clemson at noon. Number 20 Texas facing number 11 Oklahoma State in the Big 12. And our Saturday night game, number 16 Penn State against 4 and 2 Minnesota. Meanwhile, it was a rough week for ranked undefeated teams, starting with Penn State, who came up short against Michigan. The Nittany Lions simply could not stop Michigan's rushing attack as they gave up 418 rushing yards, the most they've allowed in a game since 1997. Oklahoma State took the L against TCU in double overtime, a game they led by 17. They had won their previous 65 games when leading by 17 or more. That last loss coming back in 2011. Caleb Williams and his five touchdowns not enough to overcome Utah as USC lost their seventh straight game against an AP-ranked opponent dating back to 2019. That is the longest streak in program history. James Madison has a Georgia Southern problem. They lost to them for the eighth straight time. They are just one of two teams in the FBS to be winless all-time and ranked in the AP poll. They join Troy in that distinction. And despite Bryce Young throwing for 450 passing yards for the second time in his career, Alabama could not grab the win in Knoxville, allowing 52 points, the most allowed by the program since 1907. Here's head coach Nick Saban. We were tight, especially starting the game. Um, I mean, coming out of the locker room, our players always chant. They weren't chanting. I said, why aren't you guys chanting? What's up with that? And um, so it's not that they don't want to do it. It's not that they're not trying. Uh, I just think we, we've got to place our, get our focus in the right place and our psychological disposition in the right place. Alabama had 17 penalties accepted on Saturday, and that's against Tennessee, the most in a single game since Nick Saban took over. They currently have the most accepted penalties in all of college football. Here's Paul Feinbaum on if it's time to hit the panic button in T-Town. It's not time to panic yet, but that time is coming very soon because Alabama is going the wrong direction. You can't make 15 penalties against Texas and make worse. Make 17 against Tennessee. This team is in trouble. I'm not ruling them out yet. I'm not calling it into the dynasty. I'm not saying the season is over, but it's getting close to being over. One more loss, and Alabama is out of it. And watch out for that game in November at Ole Miss. That is a treacherous path for Alabama. So, Alabama, you better straighten this thing out quickly, or your season will be over. Paul, thank you. Joined now by Greg McElroy and Desmond Howard. They don't call it overreaction Tuesday for nothing, and that's what we'll do. Uh, if I say this, Greg, Walk me through it. Alabama is D-O-N-E done. I'd say careful what you wish for. That would be my first approach, and partly because look at how Alabama's responded in the last decade and change to situations like this. Since 2011, in the regular season following a loss, Alabama is 29-1. and That includes three national championships and a national championship runner-up. So, they have responded really well in these circumstances in years past. The one season in which they didn't respond well was in 2019. They lost to Auburn. That's the one loss that essentially eliminated them from playoff contention and found them in the Citrus Bowl against Desmond's Michigan. So I look at where we're at as a, as a college football world. You're still in good shape if you have one loss. 
Yes, it's the nail in the coffin if you had two. We've never seen a two-loss team make the playoffs, Des. But Alabama's bounced back from this before, and I'd be surprised if they didn't bounce back again. Yeah, well, you look at Alabama, and obviously they're the king of the mountains. So anytime anything happens to, to the tide, then there's always an overreaction, and people enjoy seeing the king of the mountain fall. But I believe that Alabama will be able to bounce back because of their uh, senior leadership or just because they're veteran leadership. They got guys like Will Anderson Jr. in the locker room. They got the Heisman Trophy winner Bryce Young in the locker room. They got guys who I think would be able to correct and steer the ship. Actually, when I was on the sideline during the game, it seemed like nothing phased them. Even when they were down early in the first quarter, they just seemed to stay, you know, very even keel, no panic. So I think the mental makeup for this team is okay. My biggest concern, though, would be the secondary. There's, the secondary is very young. They make a lot of mistakes, and, and they were exposed again against Tennessee. I mean, Hendon Hooker went off. Um, Jalen Hyatt had a, a career day. So that secondary is going to have to get their act together. There's only but so much that Dallas Turner and Will uh, Anderson Jr. can do up front to get pressure on the quarterback. And at times, if they don't get pressure on the quarterback, they're going to have to figure out something on the back end to start to slow some of these teams down. Now, Paul Feinbaum pointed at the Ole Miss game, and normally that would be a huge concern for me if it was a, a prototypical um, Ole Miss type of offense with Lane Kiffin. But they're not throwing the ball all over the yard. They're running the ball. So I think that Alabama just might be okay against Ole Miss because I do believe that Alabama still can stop the run. A little bit different from what they saw with Hendon Hooker, Des. It's funny, you talked about getting a text on the sidelines. You were there, of course. College game day was there. That meant you were in prime position after this one to be a part of the post-game celebration. We've all seen the videos. Of course, look at there. Do you have a cigar? Yep, there you go. Des, that's a good spot. I, I, I know that guy. I know that other guy, too. How was it? It was, it was, it was, it was exciting. It was great. Um, you know, I, obviously Peyton Manning was our celebrity picker, and I made the comment during the show that, hey, um, hey, after this one, Peyton, me and you, we're gonna smoke a cigar together. So I waited by the the locker room for Peyton to come down, and he came into the locker room, and we went in there, and I tell you what, it was it was a championship like atmosphere after that victory. Obviously, you know, it's a huge win for them. Had had lost 15 straight, so um, it was great. It was great to see Peyton and uh, have a cigar with, with the sheriff. <laughs> the sher a man true to his word. Now, it's interesting. Again, we're talking about cigars. We're talking about this game. Uh, listen to what Greg McElroy had to say about a different celebration some 15 years ago. It's been 15 years, so I feel like the statute of limitations is essentially over, all right? I don't think Coach Saban's going to be upset with me not focusing on the play, but focusing more on the post-game festivities, all right? We're playing there in Knoxville in 2008, all right? We had cigars, 100-plus cigars sitting in the locker room, very excited about the post-game festivities, and then it hit us. Dude, we don't have lighters. How are we going to smoke our cigars with no lighters? So we start asking people in the stands, hey, do you guys have any lighters? Hey, toss down your lighters. Like, people were already smoking their cigar or whatnot. Toss down your lighters. They toss down five or six plastic Bic lighters, right? So I stuffed them in my pants and was like, oh, yes, all right, we're all set. We're covered. Then the next thing you know, coach is like, McElroy, you're up. Let's go. Go in there. It's like, 
go play? What? <laughs> I'm sitting here. I got I got cigars in the locker room, lighters in my pants, and you want me to go in the game? Oh, I did. I, of course, didn't want Coach to know that we were already planning the celebration. So I went in there, and I can probably say I'm the only SEC football player or college football player, for that matter, in the last 60 years or so to play with lighters in his pants. I, I, I'm not sure 15 years is long <laughs> enough, Greg McElroy. I'm, I'm just not sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, it was one of those I honestly forgot about. It's like one of those like things you're not proud of, so you just want to erase it from your memory. And then my buddy texted me about it that morning, like, hey, dude, remember this? I was like, oh, no, I completely forgot about that. This felt like it was an appropriate time to discuss, uh, at least come clean, if you will, uh, about my lack of respect for the game with lighters in my pants there at the end of the 08 game. Not good. Not good. I, I, I think it's fair. And the only thing I would disagree with is I think Coach Saban would still be ticked that you weren't focusing on the right play and were looking ahead. But, you know, he's going to have to forgive you. Time now to check in on the Capital One fan vote. Who needs to bounce back win the most in their next game? You heard Desmond talk about Alabama as the king of the hill. So no surprise here. The Tide leading the voting at 48%. Don't forget to get your vote in on Twitter.com slash ESPN College Football. No one wants to be on the outside looking in. Least of all, a whole conference with the Pac-12 and Big 12 miss the playoff party again. Overreaction Tuesday continues after this. College Football Live is presented by Zillow. There's no place like Zillow. Hats off to Coach K at the Heisman. The longtime Duke head coach will receive the 2022 Heisman Humanitarian Award. Coach K's Emily K Center, named in honor of his mother, supports nearly 2,000 students in the Durham area throughout their educational journey, and the vast majority of these students will be the first in their families to attend college. Now for this week's ultimate performance presented by BMW. The Buffs needed overtime to knock off Cal. The final tally, 20-13. to 13. That was their first win of the season. And how did the fans celebrate being the last FBS team to notch a win? Well, by storming the field. How well? It's not quite like Tennessee, but nevertheless, uh, they're happy to be out of that club. According to the All-State Playoff Predictor, the SEC has a 99% chance to have at least one team make the playoff, a 71% chance to have multiple teams. Of course, Georgia, Tennessee, Alabama, and Ole Miss all ranking in the top seven. They are followed by the Big Ten, who has a 97% chance with Ohio State and Michigan both in the top four. Here's the thoughts of Paul Feinbaum. I think the SEC is going to end up with two in the CFP. Not a big surprise. It happens a couple of times. I'm not so sure about the Big Ten. I, I just think if Michigan and Ohio State meet in, in an undefeated matchup, I think Michigan loses out. They have nowhere to go from there. And I don't think they can knock on their door, especially with Clemson out there looking like an undefeated team. And ultimately, I, I just think somebody else could enter into the picture. But Michigan has to win. I don't think they will. Looks like Ohio State will represent the Big Ten, and Jim Harbaugh will have a big snarl on his face once again. It won't be the first time. All right, Des, more overreaction Tuesday. How about this? Only two conferences will be represented in the college football playoff. 
Um, that's an overreaction. I don't believe that. I don't agree with that. Even if um, the SEC gets two teams in, I still think that, you know, either the Pac-12 or maybe um, the, the ACC, because Clemson's starting to come on strong right now, and they're a big brand. Everyone loves Dabo Sweeney. So if, if Clemson continues to roll, I think that the ACC will get a team in. I don't think that there will just be uh, a college football playoff filled with two teams from the Big Ten and two teams from the SEC, Greg. I just don't see that happening. Hey, last year, we even had a group of five team in there, right? So it, it, another, another conference will sneak in there. It will be at least three conferences represented. I think without question, it'll be at least three. If you're if you're undefeated, you're in. I mean, it's as simple as that. TCU takes care of business the rest of the way, they'll be in. Clemson takes care of business the rest of the way, they'll be in. You're going to say, well, well, what about UCLA? If they take care of business? Yeah, I mean, the likelihood of having five undefeated Power 5 Conference championship teams uh, is about .0001%. So I feel very strongly that Clemson has a strong shot. I think UCLA has a strong shot. I even think to a certain extent, you have a Big 12 champion that could potentially get in with zero or one losses as well so uh while i think those teams at the top like you referenced are very well respected and will be come ranking time they'll get jumped when conference champions or get championships are given out on the first saturday of december yeah let's not forget we have a lot of college football to, to be played it's funny you both reference clemson uh let's look back to the weekend dju we talked a lot about his play coming into the season uh the tiger quarterback threw for 203 yards three touchdowns number four clemson held off florida state 34 to 28 the Tigers scored on six straight drives they surpassed the 30 point mark for a seventh straight game to open the season all right again our final overreaction we'll do a positive spin on this one greg clemson is back uh I think they're good, um, but are they back? That's where I kind of draw a little bit of a line. Now, at this point, this has always been a team that improves. They get through the first half, maybe play some average games at the midway point, and then they get better and better and better, and then come, come playoff time, that's when they're playing their best football, and I could see that becoming very realistic again this year. However, I, I'm not as convinced that their offensive firepower is as good as it once was. I think their defense is good. Uh, teetering on the edge of elite, but I don't, not sure they're as disruptive up front as they've been in the past as well, Des. So I think Clemson's really good, but they're not on the same level as the 18 or the 16 team in my eyes just yet. And see, if someone said Clemson's back, my natural response would be back to where? Like back to what we're used to seeing? <laughs> I wouldn't say that at all. I think that they're starting to, to trend in the right direction. Uh, DJ Uangalele is playing better now, especially better than he played at the beginning of the season. The offense seems to have found its rhythm defensively. I'm still concerned with the secondary on the back end. I know up front they're strong, they're talented, maybe the, the best front seven in the ACC, but their back end can be exposed. So I, I would say back, they're getting getting there, but not quite there just yet, Wendy. Well, it's hard, right? Because they set their, their own bar so incredibly high with those two teams you mentioned. Yeah. All right, yes or no answer from you both quick. We have 15 seconds. So if Clemson wins out, do they make the playoff? Greg? Yes. Yes? Yes. All right, we have that. <laughs> Back or not, they got to just win. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow with our mid-year report card. See you then.